Hello and welcome to the Metapod, the Pokemon TCG podcast that revolves around the evolving meta and the calendar as well. Sean, we're in 2022 now, the first pod of 2022. How are you doing? I'm good. I hear 2022 and um, I'm sure other people have made this joke, but I'm going to say it again too. I don't want to repeat 2020. So I don't either, <laughs> you know, the, the name 2022 and I'm like, is it 2022? No, no, it's 2020 no. plus two. This is not the remake. This is not the diamond <laughs> and pearl remake, Sean, brilliant diamond, shining pearl. This is a new era. This is legends Arceus. Uh-huh. That's right. Time that game coming out in a couple weeks. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've also seen the memes making the rounds for legends Arceus where it's like, Everybody dropping Diamond and Pearl and being like, I'm done with you. <laughs> Just picking up I mean, Arceus. That's basically what happened to Sword and Shield. I mean, every time I get on Twitch right now, like Sword and Shield has less than a thousand viewers wow. in the category. And wow. I mean, I mean, that shouldn't surprise me, though, because the thing is to play like the newest games and for Pokemon, like even if you're playing like yeah. Pokemon Emerald, the meta on Twitch is that everybody plays in the newest game category. So nobody's ever playing in Pokemon Emerald. Every If you're playing Pokemon Emerald, you're playing in Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl, for instance. Uh, just because, I mean, that's what the meta is in Pokemon yeah. on Twitch. I think it's interesting, though, because that's also, it makes a, a very interesting point that even within the video game world, like we talk about the majority of the card game are collectors and not necessarily mm-hmm. players. I think it's the same with the video game. Like most of the streamers, at least, are not VGC people because there's not really a VGC in Diamond and Pearl, but you know, so I that's interesting to see, like, yeah, and it makes sense, you know, like the VGC is not necessarily that popular either. It's very, it's a very interesting like quirk about like content creating and like uh, Pokemon in general. But Sean, we mentioned last week at the end of the pod that we did not even think about New Year's resolutions. We had forgotten that the new year was just underway. So let's <laughs> kick off this podcast by talking about our New Year resolution. Sean, do you have a New Year's resolution? I mean, I have like goals, if you will, uh, like broad goals. I think one of them for me is to get back on a regular content creation uh, train, you know, like a lot of it has been the adjustment from like being, uh, you know, nine to five to not being nine to five and uh, maybe enjoying that time off a little too much. <laughs> but yeah, getting back into like making content on the reg, um, the Metapod notwithstanding, right? Like that's one of the, that's my like the regular thing that I do every week is the Metapod and like that, that I, I hold true. Yeah. We have so. like consistent, like you, you and I have both had things come up and like life changing things, but the Metapod has always, like, this is something that I look forward to every single week, which is interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's like this, like, you know, people say that having routine is really important for like mental health mm-hmm. or all those things. And I, I do think that's true because, um, I'm not saying every day needs to be the same. You don't need to be a cartoon character with the same outfit in your closet for every day of the week. Uh, but, but some amount of routine um, gives your gives like structure to things. And um, it, this has given me a lot of structure. So I thank you, Jake, for helping to give me some structure in that respect. No, thank you for doing this with me. We are, I can't even, is this 78? This, this I think this be. is episode 78. Yeah. We're getting close to 100. But what I will you? say, Sean... My New Year's resolution is to just be settled. 
Oh, okay. Because like right the last like eight months, I've been going. You know, I graduated. I've been looking for a job, and so instead of my New Year's resolution being find a job, <laughs> right? Because that's what I should be doing, anyways. My New Year's resolution is to be settled, you know, like not only have a job, but to have a place and mm -hmm. to not be in the parents' basement, yeah. essentially. So it's like an upgrade from the the find a job, like just be independent, just be in a spot. Yeah, yeah, like like that gaining that level of like full independence. I mean, not that you aren't necessarily, but like you know what well, I mean. I'm not really independent well, <laughs> right now. Yeah, yeah but I, I I totally get that. Like you know. It's a little different because I didn't go to grad school. I just went mm -hmm. to undergrad. But like, yeah, like anybody out there who's been to some level of college, like when you're finally done, I think everybody goes to that year, maybe two years period. Hopefully it's not that long for you. But where like, you know, you're like transitioning, you know, from mm -hmm. whatever it is to wherever you're going. And um, it's a tough time. It's a tough time. I think myself and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are very sympathetic uh, to, to that. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm very fortunate, though, to be able to, you know, be in my parents' basement and to, like, now work part-time at a bookstore so that I'm not sitting here twiddling my thumbs and, like, have a place at least to to stay for, uh, well, I mean, like, if I, if I couldn't find something for the next five years, you know, my parents would be like, yeah. oh, it's fine, like, you know, you're trying to get something. And it's not like I'm not trying to do anything. No. Uh, but anyways, I think things are changing. I think 2022 is going to be good, not only for us, but for the Metapod. And we got to start it out, Sean, on a high note, as always, with the five-star review. Now, I will say on Spotify, if you did not know, they recently implemented a rating system for podcasts. So if you're on Spotify, we have many listeners from Spotify, you can go ahead to our main page on Spotify and leave us a rating. Unfortunately, you can't do a review, but you can rank us out of five stars. We've had 46 ratings already, Sean, wow. just like a, a little over a week. Spotify listeners, so like good. Spotify listeners showing up, showing the support. I love it. I know, and very, very thankful for all of you joining us into 2022, as well as our Apple podcast i will say the highlight of my day at this point in time is that we now have 69 ratings on apple Podcasts, which is very nice <laughs> yeah so we could stop there we could st yeah no more ratings stop 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 <laughs> anyways this five star review is coming from arc hammond mate 42 great for everyone is the title five stars recently got back into pokemon play and this podcast is such a good Listen, keep up the great work. One of my new favorites. And you know what? Ark, you are one of my new favorites, too. Thank you so much for leaving that five star review. Jake, I know like reading Twitch handles are, is also a challenge. I think it's Arkham Inmate, like Arkham Asylum. It's like a Batman thing. You know, as someone who is, you know, I'm into like anime and stuff like DC, Marvel, yeah. all those things. Like I, I watch casually those I do those casually. So you know what? That didn't. Yeah, that didn't register. I'll just admit that's it. Fine. That's fine. Hey, look, look, that's that's a that's a minor. So it's, it's when you read out somebody's username on Twitch and it's something very inappropriate and you're like, oh. see, I'm getting good at recognizing that. See, yeah, that's a, that's that's your level of expertise is you're on that Twitch. You're on that Twitch level. 
Anyways, we got a lot of different things, especially there may be some scummy things going on. You know, we talk about bad Twitch names. Well, this is $3.5 million that we're about to talk about of some significant scumminess, I guess you could call it. I'm not 100% sure, but Sean, Pokemon cards have been booming since around like what, 18 months ago? around they started booming and yeah. one of the faces that has made what i just said yeah yeah 18 months and one of the names that have really contributed to this boom is logan paul now regardless how you feel about logan paul i know he's not a very popular figure and i don't watch his content or enjoy stuff but when something happens inside our community i at least pay attention to it and news has broken out that he recently bought a first edition authenticated box of Pokemon, like a case of boxes, first edition boxes for $3.5 million. Sean, that is a large sum of money. <laughs> yeah. First off. It's, and it's, it's for a sealed case. So now we will get into the, the details of this, but in theory, if this was real, it's like a sealed case. There's, almost none in the world there may be i think king gary may have one um, can we not call him king gary yeah okay no. gary I, I don't i i say because it it's the name that people uh associate yeah, with him the most everybody, but most people will know who that is pawn, just by pawn saying star that. gary I know, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm petty, okay that's fair uh but yeah he he has supposedly one and that would put each of these boxes because it's within a sealed case at about like what six hundred thousand dollars a box because there's six boxes in a case uh for those of you who you know, don't know what the case entails. Um, it would be assuming that the sealed case has six of them in near perfect condition. It would be assumed that it'd be worth a minimum of $2.6 million. So Logan Paul, I guess you could say overpaid market price by about $900,000, which I mean, if you got the money, honey, go for it. But a lot of people lately have been doing some investigating on this box where it's come from how it has come about and there's a lot after reading the pokey beach article that sean has pulled up here on youtube if you're watching on youtube there's a little bit of you know this might not be exactly what we think it is now sean looking back at this purchase history go back to march 2021 do you remember what we were doing on the metapod in march 2021 uh maybe we were speculating about the return of in-person pokemon <laughs> <laughs> probably i mean we've been doing that for vaccines like, are what, rolling out now? maybe we're gonna have worlds this year no <laughs> yeah i think around that time actually worlds was canceled yeah they 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 i think they might have decided to actually cancel it but that's also when the vaccines were rolling out so there was like this will they won't they you know yeah, exactly. But this is when the case first appeared over on eBay. And, you know, right off the bat, just looking at that eBay page, you can see the pictures on pokebeach.com. It is very it's one of those things where you look on eBay and you look at the seller, you look at the description. and You're like, you know, maybe I shouldn't buy <laughs> from this person. This seller had changed their name apparently right before listing this to kind of hide their history per se there's grammatical errors everywhere and so in my opinion this is automatically red flag hello 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 originally sean 
it did not actually sell for very much. It originally went up. The auction ended on April 9th, 86 bids. The highest bid for this case of first edition Pokemon cards in April 2021, $72,500. Sean, I don't know much quick math, <laughs> but uh, $72,500 is a lot less than $3.5 million. <laughs> Yeah, and even if you factor in like, oh, maybe prices have gone up since then or whatever, like seventy-two thousand for six first edition boxes in in April or whatever, like that's absurd. That's clearly clearly something was fishy here, and people weren't buying it. Literally, apparently, as well, the person who had bought it for the seventy-two five wanted to fly over, inspect the box, as what a lot of people do when you're buying these high-end collectible products and paying large sums of money for you probably also got the money to be able to fly out right away and check it out but the seller said uh no you can't really check on this which oh look at that another red flag then in comes another seller buying it for a undisclosed amount. So shipping it to the United States and a video was made make of the box and uh, a company authentication company called Baseball Card Exchange was there to check it out. Now, Sean, before the pod uh, told me basically what the heck is this place doing authenticating this box? because. <laughs> This these people don't do Pokemon a baseball card exchange. Well, you could probably tell that they do baseball cards and looking at this and looking at some of the stuff that we can get to later about, you know, the packaging, the the barcodes, things like that. They really probably just looked at this box, said, ah, it's taped up. Cool. It's ready to rock and roll. Authenticated. <laughs> Give it the seal of approval. <laughs> oh, yeah, it looks sealed to me, Bob. Yeah, sure, it's definitely. to me. And so it's been jumping around, blah, 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 then sells for $2.7 million. Then it's sold to Logan Paul for $3.5 Now, going to the box itself, there are some things that are a little bit fishy i said i should say because first edition base set boxes were made what 20 years ago or so 20 to uh, 25 like years 22, ago somewhere in that 23 time years yeah 22 23 years the information regarding this may be incomplete maybe inconclusive you know because well okay let me <laughs> It was a long time ago, so maybe yes. people that are bringing this up, you know, we don't have a lot of things to go off of in terms like true. we can't just compare, you know, a plethora of first edition sealed case boxes. Right. Because, I mean, if they were everywhere, they wouldn't sell for three point five million dollars. But looking at the barcode, the barcode usually in previous years, including Gary's box, had a barcode of W.O.C. 06033 and that's usually what it has done but logan paul's case has a 1e on the end of it now the 1e you're thinking okay that could be like first edition and in the past or in the future from base set wizards of the coast did start doing that jungle and fossil did have 1e's on their first edition cases but base set 
was one that regardless if it had a first edition or was an unlimited print run of the set, it didn't have the 1E. They didn't start doing that until the next set. So that that automatically right there for a lot of people is like, okay, you know, like, hello, this is not 100% real. And, you know, Sean, that's not all with this little sticker because the barcode I have started working in retail, Sean. <laughs> I am now using barcodes. I am now reading product codes. So I consider myself an aficionado. I'm just kidding. I don't, I know a little bit about it, but I, I know when something's wrong or not. And a lot of times what, if you don't know about barcodes, the barcodes are pretty much supposed to read the product code. So theoretically, on a first edition base set box, the code should be the the WOC06033, not the 1E. There's no 1E on it. That's what it should read. And even if the barcode or if the product code is that 1E, so let's say Logan Paul's box is legitimate, the one with the 1E, then the barcode should read that same thing with the 1E. Guess what? It doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, so that's another red flag of people like, hmm, you know what? This, this I don't think that this is real. But that's not all, Sean. <laughs> We're talking about $3.5 million and there's this many problems. Looks like somebody didn't copy their homework correctly because on the packaging tape as well, we look at past boxes, we look at boxes that are around and you see on the boxes there's no period at the end of seal or i'm sorry at the end of the sentence and seal isn't capitalized mm -hmm. as well well guess what if you read logan paul's box as pokey beach has shown a great picture of that it is not like the others mm -hmm. sean it is very different so not only is the barcode not reading correctly the product numbers are a little bit scuffy. An authentication company that doesn't really deal with Pokemon cards ever is approving this, but the tape, yeah. the tape, Sean, is also a little bit skeptical. Yeah. But, Sean. Yes. They, I mean, I, I mean, I this is just like weird. I mean, right. I mean, the box has not been opened yet. Logan Paul has not opened it. I don't think he's commented to, on it even. On like yeah, whether I mean, or not he really fake. just put out the video of him buying it, and then that's pretty much it at this point. So, are we ever gonna know I if mean, it's real? So, one thing that I was I was discussing with Jake briefly before this is like, I think one could assume, you know. If you if you want to, you could simply believe that Jake Paul is um, really as naive, and the people around him are as naive as they say they are, right? Which like maybe, maybe anything's possible, right? Like Occam's Razor would say maybe that is the simplest explanation, so it should be the correct one. However, a, an individual who has millions of dollars to spend on things like a case of Pokemon cards, there is a level of naivete that I can grant to people, but like you don't become this wealthy and this media savvy without having some understanding of, uh, you know, of, of the world and how you got there. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, like the, we can all agree that this guy is dumb, right? Like we can sure. agree that he's dumb, but he's 
millions and bajillions of dollars smarter and than I am. You know, well, he has made it in this world. I don't think it was just pure dumb luck, right? I don't believe content creators just make it from pure dumb luck. I believe it's all like granted and like they're intelligent in certain yes. ways. And he has an intelligence in some capacity, right? And like, I think I would assume part of that is like knowing that like, hey, this is a, probably a little fishy. The person he bought it from, like the fact that the box was originally purchased by Card Kahuna, who made a video about it. And then it has now been passed on to Logan Paul, who is making a video about it. It's, it's almost like they're never gonna open the box because it is the king's, what, what is it? The, uh, the emperor's clothes, right? If you don't ever confront the fact that this thing is fake, and everybody knows it is, but most people that are going to click and the, watch the videos about it and, you know, write the articles about it, they're not, other than Polka Beach, they're not going to be doing the due diligence and they're just going to assume, ah, yes, he did this and here's millions of more views that gets you, you know, and you might say to yourself, well, yeah, but it still cost him $3.5 I was, you know, discussing with other people before this too, like, this just feels like a little shenanigansy to me because, like, you know, what would be if we assumed that he's actually smarter than we give him credit for, which I don't think is unfair, then like what would the ulterior motive to be buying a box that you think is fake, that is most likely fake? Um, like, and and the reality is like, look, at some point if he does open it, he should be able to recuperate the, you know, get the money back, right? And if mm -hmm. along the process, he's also able to make hundreds of thousands of dollars in video view ad revenue and all of this other stuff, right? Like promoting these box breaks he's doing, um, basically just increasing his fame and it costs him little to nothing in the process. Like, why wouldn't you do something like this? Right? Like it doesn't like if it's real, the, the, the hype is great. If it's fake, the hype is great. The hype is great either way for Logan Paul. So there's a part of me that's like, yeah, we can all make fun of him. Like, Oh, look at this idiot. But like, at the same time, like, there's probably more here than than we're maybe giving Logan Paul credit for. That's my thought there, Jake. What about you? I think there's an interesting point to note that Card Kahuna made a video, purchased the product, made a video about it, and then right away sold it. Didn't even open it. Yep. What if the point of this is repeating that process you know it's it's an unverifiable product, you know by the product it is verified so it is yeah. authentic therefore <laughs> you know there's no harm on logan right he didn't make this he got it from some other guy and it was authenticated by a company whether uh, we really think <laughs> that that authentication is legitimate or not you know the facts stand as it's been authenticated and given to Logan Paul. Make some videos about it, right? Saying how you own it, get some clout, you know, because, I mean, it's content creation. You know, you're always trying to get more clout. And then go ahead and sell it, make more money on it. You know, you hold it for a little bit, you boost its popularity a little bit, and then you can in turn sell it for $4 million plus. I So this is where I actually think the buck stops is with Logan because I don't, we don't know how much card Kahuna bought it for, but almost certainly it was not 
that it was not 3.5 million. He, uh, yeah, I am sure it was less than three. I'm sure less. that Card Kahuna or whoever or Shine 150, the person who sold it to Logan Paul, mm-hmm. they bought it for they bought it for some sort of amount, but then uh, they bought it for 2.7 million and then sold it to Logan Paul for 3.5. That's an $800,000 mm-hmm. profit. Like that's sitting pretty for a, for like a normal person like you and I, Sean. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just, it, it'll be interesting for me to see where this ends up because there will be, I think Logan Paul, of all the people that are collecting these cards in the world, there's no one that's willing to spend the amount of money that Logan Paul is on these products, even if they're fake and even for the hype, whatever. Like, there, there just isn't another human out there who's willing to do that. All of the other collectors, like if you see it, like Steve Aoki, um, some of the other YouTubers, right? Dahi Danogla, uh, the other YouTubers who like open Pokemon stuff on the side, they either mm. don't have the money or don't have the willingness to take those risks the way that Logan Paul does. Because, you know, Logan Paul is kind of like a, a Mr. Beast in that, like, it's not about the money, it's about the hype and the fame that comes along with it, whatever. But all the other collectors, they don't, their whole career isn't based on this stuff. You know, like Steve Aoki's a musician, he's not going to drop. $4 million on a box that's probably fake. You know, he, he if he wants to go buy a first edition box, there's others out there he can buy. That's fine, you know? So this is the one where I, I feel like Logan partially looked at the fake base set opening that, you know, remember Leonhardt that he went there yeah. and they did an opening and it got millions of views. There was like all these news articles about it, et cetera. I think Logan Paul very well might have looked at this situation and said, you know, uh, to, to quote the Markiplier meme, I can milk this. And, you know, it's just like, hey, um, if one box, if one fake box can get 10 million views or whatever, think of how much six fake boxes could get. And I, I think that is the game they're playing right now. And, you know, I would just warn people, like, don't get taken for a ride on this one. Sometimes at some way, if you don't like Logan Paul, um, even if you like watching some of his videos, like whatever, but like, I, I think, you know, I think this is theater, all theater here at this point. And, um, you know, the only person getting burned here is the people who believe it. I just want to know as well. So $3.5 million, that's what he bought it at. Mm-hmm. How many views on YouTube would it take to eclipse that number? You know, you talk about like, make videos about it you know it gains a ton of traction a lot of art i mean i think it's hard to justify how much that'll actually be because more subscribers will yeah you know affect in long term for everything else you know long term but how much would it take because i feel like if logan paws looked at this and he's like okay i can i can milk this as you say (laughs) you know like i want to know what that number is of like yeah i just i it's a it's it's gotta be like some number it's gotta be an astronomical number right 3.5 million dollars is is not cheap if you turn it into maybe a two to three episode arc and each of those episodes has a separate sponsor on top of the ad revenue right yeah i mean there's that too and he's selling he's doing you know things with companies like whatnot or whatever that would you know where he sells the box breaks and we we've seen the price of his box break um, things before. And those will go for three times the price of a pack. Normally. Um, 
I, you know, you combine all of this and it's a $3.5 million essentially investment in content and in the, in a business. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's a business expense, you know, he doesn't, you know, my guess is that this, this is going, getting routed through his business accounts, owning these boxes. And if he opens videos, it all goes through that. And then it just shows up on his profits and losses. And it's, 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 it's basically a nothing burger to him. Right. So Mm -hmm. I I think that honestly, I think this is just, it's a lot of shenanigans here. Um, and you know, maybe he was really duped and I'm, I'm ascribing far too much strategery to him, but you know, it's that, that's my opinion. I, I think that you could certainly make up a lot of the costs there, um, from a business perspective, not just on pure ad revenue, but ad revenue, sponsorship, um, sales of other things that are associated with the, the increased hype and fame that comes along with that. You know, it's, it's not all one thing. So I will say he hasn't made a video in six months Logan? pulling up his YouTube channel. Uh, I don't know if he has other, he does streams and stuff like that too. And I don't know if maybe there's like other channels, who knows? It's, I mean, cause all the Pokemon stuff has been on like his main channel, you know, the $1 million first edition box break that he did and, you know, spending $1,500 on the Charizard or not 1500. Well, yeah, no, yeah. it is 1500. I mean, but spending like, a lot of money, all of that stuff in the original box that he bought that jumped on the hype a year ago. Like that's all been on his main channel. I mean, yeah, who knows? Uh, you know, like I said, I don't follow Logan Paul, so that's I a fair point. I just pulled up his YouTube profile as you were doing some explaining. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. Maybe he uh, is not actually making videos and some of these assumptions are wrong, but he does have the impulsive, oh God, I hate dropping things. He has the podcast. He's got the podcast and that's a channel. That's a separate channel for the podcast. So he is making mm-hmm. content. There is revenue coming in from this. Um, but yeah, that, that's, I, you know, that's all my thoughts on it. Jake, do you have any closing remarks on this Logan Paul nonsense before we move on to greener pastures? <laughs> a lot of people will scuff this aside and be like, Logan Paul is a freaking idiot. You know, I hate Logan Paul. And a lot of podcast listeners, probably as soon as we tar- started talking about Logan Paul, probably like clicked off like, oh, I don't want to hear <laughs> about Logan Paul. And you know what? I honestly don't blame you. Like, he's not my favorite person. I don't enjoy him, but especially when it comes to the Pokemon trading card game, you know, we've had many conversations of like card prices and the hype, you know, of people doing X, Y, Z and, you know, the whole thing about how Pokemon cards were so hard to find for so long. You know, I think that this is noteworthy news because honestly, reading this article, what's to stop another person from looking at this taking notes on everything that is wrong and, you know, selling their own fake box that looks even better than this, you know? Yeah. I mean, it does come down to, it, it's almost like, you know, it, Pokemon cards and collectibles are not just for collectors. It's, it's become a, an asset or a tool for content creation. And a lot and of that is like a status. Yeah. And, but a lot it's of that is like what drives the status. Price. Yeah. And that drives the price though, right? Like they're not thinking about it. I'm not saying this is all of what Logan Paul, I think he does actually enjoy collecting to a degree. I'll give him that. But a lot of this stuff is like, you know, I've decided to make part of my content creation around opening up extremely rare and valuable collectible items. And now it's, 
you know, that's just a tool for your content creation now. And it just has a negative effect on the people who actually care. And I think that is what makes the conversation worthwhile for us, in my opinion. Is I guess what I, by, by definition of people who care, probably like the people like you and I. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I like don't we expect. Don't, we don't have the money to yeah. buy first edition boxes up the wazoo, you know, like we can barely afford the card game as it is itself. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, I don't expect to ever own a first edition Pokemon card box. That's fine. That's fine. But, you know, I think if one were to give them to either of us, we wouldn't be opening them up and selling them as box breaks either. Yeah. So, you know, everybody's collecting is, you know, they can have it be what they want. But I do think that there's, there comes a point when you're like, you're not really in this to be a part of the community. You're in this because it gets you content. And that's a whole different reason to be in it. And, you know, like, it's just weird, man. It's weird. <laughs> but Jake, it, It'll be interesting to see if this garners any more news. And Sean and I will pull it up and talk about it if things do come up. But one thing that has come up, especially as we get closer and closer to Brilliant Stars, some new cards were announced. From Starbirth, Sean. Starbirth, if you do not remember, premieres on January 14th in Japan, and it's going to be part of Brilliant Star, the set coming around the rest of the world. And, you know, there's been a couple cards here and there that have been announced and stuff like that, but there's one that I want to mention, only really one, and mm -hmm. that is the Luxray, Sean. Now, we talk about Stage 2s. Mm -hmm. You know, single single prize stage twos. They're just bad. You know, they're just not good, right? There's too much snipe going around. You know, there's just too much stuff. But I want to talk about this Luxray because I actually think this Luxray is kind of cool, especially when we are in a format where there's a good, healthy amount of like energy acceleration methods. The one that I want to talk about, Sean, is Luxray Stage 2, 150 HP Lightning Pokemon. For a single energy, mm -hmm. Sean, you can do one of two things on this Luxray for a single Lightning Energy. One, Energy Crush, 50 times damage. 50 times is a lot. This mm -hmm. attack does 50 damage times the amount of energy attached to all of your opponent's Pokemon. Okay. You know, yeah. that's not terrible. That's actually not super bad right now. A lot of attacks right now cost two, three energies. Yeah. So, boom, you can stack up some damage, especially if you're just chip shotting things. I mean, and especially, point, you know, you're doing, I was going to say, especially like on, two hit KOs and stuff. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, I think, I do think the Pokemon company has recognized that stage twos are in a rough spot and have been for a long time. And, you know, you think about other stage twos that have been viable in the past, like, you know, like Charizard, um, both the team up one and the one that came after the one that goes with like Leon. Mm -hmm. um, but both of those require two energy. And that's not to say like, look, you have to evolve. So it takes a, a turn or two. So spending the energy is, uh, you know, attaching the energy for turn is, you know, not, out of the question because it takes you at least two turns to get into this. But I think having it be one energy means that, you know, you don't have to overcommit in two turns to a line that might get blown up. 
So you can basically have like, hey, I'll have two Pokemon that could evolve. You can choose to knock out one of them. But if the other one survives, then all I need is that one attachment for turn. You're not wasting. It's it's not very wasteful. And I, I really do like, and I, and I hope they keep doing this, this transition towards single energy, energy stage two attacks. Because you're focusing more on evolving yes. rather than, you know, like you said, attaching, attaching, and then it gets blown up before you even get to attack, you yeah. know, and the focus. Because, I mean, think about it. We got escape rope in format. We have a bunch of snipe in Rapid Strike, Urshifu, and Jolteon. We have uh, Boss's Orders. That's a big card to mention. We have Umbreon VMAX bringing stuff up as well. So... I like this. I agree. But the second attack, Sean, is also pretty sweet, in my opinion. Light or flash impact for one lightning energy, 110 damage. This attack also does 30 damage to one of your bench Pokemon, especially in combination with this first attack, right? Let's say you get to do 250 damage. You know, let's think about the V Star format because Arceus V Star is going to be coming in. 250 damage because of your opponent has five energy on the field. Mm -hmm. If it runs away to the bench, you can snipe that for 30. And it's one of your benched Pokemon, oh, Jake. Oh, darn. No, <laughs> I can't read. Enough 22 horrible. This card sucks, uh, Sean. Don't, nope, don't play this card. Never mind. It's Everything's no. out the window. I'm done. Podcast is over. Sorry. See you next week. Sorry. I'm sorry to blow you up like that, Jake. You were like having such a good time imagining that this attack was, was so good. I was so excited about this card. Like I messaged Sean. I was like, I'm going to talk about this card. This is kind of a cool card. Now it's just bad. Now it's just uh, bad. I mean, look, I will say I, there was another set of cards like a Muck and Grimer combo. The problem with the Muck and Grimer combo is it's not it's just not good. Even though it's only stage uh, one, they're all so bad. So I'm like, it's great that they're announcing these cards. But I, I will give you this, though. 50 times damage is not nothing. That's a big deal. And it, against certain archetypes, like, you know, if you're playing against Mew even and Mew is, you know, they have to churn through a single prize deck that that can take some time. And if you're able to, like, if they have all four of their fusion strike energies on board, plus others, you're doing 200 plus damage a couple of turns in a row. That that can get that could be a lot. So, you know, I, I do think that there is some validity to like maybe this is whether or not you see a stage two counter box in the future because of the Zoroark. We keep talking about it. Nobody ever uses it. Maybe it never I will be. It. I mean, a little in bit. Malamar. <laughs> But it's one of those cards that, like, I think has potential. And maybe they're hoping that if they give people enough single energy stage twos, that they will combine that with the Zoroark to make a counter box, a stage two counter box, which I think is actually really good potential single prize design. And I, I hope that it actually evolves into that. Who knows? But this would be, you know, probably one of the best lightning Pokemon that you could put in the deck. Um, because not only can you bring it out with Zoro, but you also have the Luxio from the original, I think, base set Sword and Shield that can come onto the field for free if you draw it to start the turn. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's more of, I think the bonus, I don't think you would build around that, but you would probably play those, but yeah. you, I don't know if you would ever actually expect to top deck it yeah. unless you did something like a Rangaroo. Right, right. So like, and knowing that this is coming out and a Rangaroo will be rotating not long after, you know, probably you don't plan for that, but for a little bit of time, maybe. But I do I think that this gives it hope, the archetype. 
I do am I am, I do am wary though. I am wary though because you look at the format, especially right now, and a lot of things are like discarding the energy mm-hmm. or only having a little at a time. So right, like Urshifus, both of the Urshifus discard your energies. Yep, that kind of sucks. Or you know you're only spend you're only putting a little energy on at a time, right? Especially because this is fighting week. Gale thrust most certainly destroys it yeah for like 300 damage and then the single strike urshifu i mean beatdown doesn't need too much i mean you only need three energies which you know they'd still be doing 150 damage to you but that's still a two shot or three shot yeah they still have to three shot you even with that and you know (laughs) mew as well mew has looping ability so yeah you could hit for 200 damage because they have four fusion strike energy in play but as soon as you do that they're just gonna loop right in all they need is one power tablet to knock you out with the loop attack and so and especially because you get into then jolteon as well jolteon only needs one energy to do its attack and so they're just sitting pretty forever they don't have to do anything now that this pokemon can do bench snipe like i'm just sad yeah, it is, uh, you know, there are other combos that you could bench snipe with it. Because again, it's a one energy attack, right? If you were going to build a counter box and let's say in the future meta, lightning weakness was relevant, you know, that's the reason, honestly, that's the reason that Picaram was um, partially so good is because there were a number of decent, I would say, cards that had a lightning weakness and it really gate kept like Lapras VMAX. Lapras VMAX had a point in time where it was no joke, but the fact that Picaram was good, it was like, I'm never going to play Lapras because it's weak to, to one of the most consistent decks in the format. No. So, you know, there could come a time where lightning weakness is relevant again, and then I think this makes its way into a counter box, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll, and, be, it'll be interesting, and <laughs> I just, I want things to be cool i want things to be good i want to play cheap different decks again you can build malamar for like less than 20 bucks so yes indeed and uh but i mean it's speaking of cheap different things jake the last i think subject uh broad subject we wanted to talk about was um sander the the you know uh king of control if you will he uh, he posted something recently, and it was because there was a card that got announced or leaked, I should say, quite early. I don't even think it's been announced we in Japanese. We've known about this uh, card for a while. We uh, with the the, the I, double, I'm thinking, Oh no, no, I'm thinking about the rose the, that does minus twenty attack. No, no, I was thinking about like what Roseanne's backup or whatever. Oh, because that that is a big another engine piece for control that I wanted to talk about. And that got leaked, but it hasn't actually been announced in Japanese. My guess is it's coming in Starbirth. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, so I, I wanted to, you know, bring this up because I know Jake is a control stand. So, you know, there's some interesting, you know, potential combos that might exist in the format for a little bit of time, at least with Eldegoss before it rotates, um, that could make certain control strategies viable if you can figure out how to get how to lock your opponent at a certain turn. So, for instance, for anyone who does not know, we have a couple possibilities of gigantic pre-retreaters, right? Togekiss, 310 HP, has free retreat. Uh, Corviknight has 320 
HP, I believe, mm-hmm. has free retreat. Umbreon VMAX, if it's got that, you know, Umbreon Espeon tool thing, I don't even know what it's called. Um, but if the tool is attached, Umbreon VMAX has free retreat and also has the boss effect. And with Eldegoss and the double colorless energy, as I mentioned, I don't think it's actually called double colorless energy, but it's the it's the energy that's coming out that you can attach to V's. What? It's the one that you can attach to V's. Yes, and it but it does minus twenty attack. You know, that card, I just call it double colorless energy because that's the easiest way to explain it right now. But anyways, <laughs> you attach that to Eldegoss and Eldegoss has the the does 50 damage and goes right back into the deck. You play Cheryl's to heal those VMAXs that are your pivots, right? You cannot get knocked out. You have extra wall options and Duraludon and Glaceon. We've seen a lot of popularity lately with Duraludon. We've even mentioned it several times. And you can also do a lot of damage. So let's say you're playing against Mew VMAX, right? If you have a single strike energy and this new upcoming double colorless energy on your Umbreon VMAX, you do knock out a Mew VMAX because you're hitting for 160 with that math because the plus 20 and negative 20 from the two different energies negate each other. So you're doing 160 times that by two, 320 that knocks out a Mew with 310 HP. So there's some options with this deck. Now, is it going to be good that we don't actually know that because Mew is very... (laughs) very good but there's the possibility and you know maybe control is the best that it's been since uh sun and moon rotated out you know control really hasn't been that good or viable in that sense yeah i mean the card that i mentioned before that i think it's rosemary or roseanne's backup or something um i can't remember if it goes to hand or back into deck but you basically shuffle one of each card type back um I believe it's it's hard to read, and I would have to find the full explanation. I could probably find it here. Uh, here Either it is. Yeah. Way. It's into deck. Shuffle a Pokemon from your discard pile into your deck, a tool card, a stadium, and an energy. So that's how you can loop some of those special energies back in as well. So, yeah, I mean, maybe you dug through at the bottom of your deck and you need to get a single strike energy back or whatever, or, you know, you ended up having to bail on three of those double colorless energies off of research turn one. You know, you can get one of those back as well because you only need one really mm-hmm. for the loop because you just attach, retreat, loop, slam Pokemon down, attach, retreat, loop. Yeah. Um. And, you know, that's big. Somebody did mention, like, hey, if you get Marnie, though, and you don't have very many cards in deck and almost no cards in hand, <laughs> you just lose. I'm like, yeah, yeah there, there is the there is always the possibility with control because you're constantly expending resources and trying to get to the bottom of your deck. If you're not careful, you could put yourself in a position to be decked out. Right. Whether that's through N in the old days, mm-hmm. you know, um, or like Marshadow let loose or um through something like a marnie but if you're putting at least two cards back in the deck through eldegoss it's more than likely that you're probably okay off a marnie because you get four cards right so you'd only need like two cards in no you need three cards in hand because you'd have to draw for your turn so that would be five so Mm -hmm. i mean i personally i do think that um 
control will make a comeback in 2022. Um, mm-hmm. This is my a long-term prediction for the year. Because between, uh, you can obviously see with Roseanne's backup, there was also the other card I want to say, was it Azumarill? That lets you that put brings two... back supporters? Well, no, that lets you put two item cards in your hand. Or two uh, cards. No, we talked about that. Junk Hunt returning, that's Floatzel. Ah, Floatzel, that's it, yeah. Um, so between the adventure, the Roseanne's backup, the Floatzel, the fact that you can loop things with Eldegoss... Um, and keep in mind, Eldegoss gets a supporter out of the discard, too. So you could theoretically do this Roseanne thing every single turn if you need to. Or you can Cheryl every single turn if you need to. Or whatever. Uh, well, actually, no. Roseanne does not get you a supporter. <clears throat> it's Pokemon, Tool, Stadium, and Energy. No, 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 no. But you can get Roseanne off of Eldegoss is what I'm yes. saying. Oh, and yes, yes, put, yes. Yes. And then That's you can really put smart. more things in the deck. That's what I was trying to say. My Oh, apologies. yeah. No, I really like that. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that as like, obviously, that's the point of Eldegoss, too, is to put a supporter back in your hand. So you don't even need the Palpad combo. Yeah. I mean, um, Palpad's going to rotate anyways, right? Because it was in Sword and Shield base set. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I, I think that this is going to be a big year for it because... You know, you also have a, a tool card that never gets used, but I think because you can, re, you know, recycle them. There's a tool card that says when this Pokemon is knocked out, um, discard the top three of your opponent's deck or something like that. It's, it's basically a mill three effect. Is it four on the tool card? Aaron, I think that's the shovel, right? Yeah, cursed shovel. That's it. Yeah. So, and you could think like, <clears throat> you know, if you can loop <clears throat> between Floatzels and Eldegosses, if you can somehow com- come up with a combo that loops things like fan of waves to get rid of special and crushing hammers to get rid of everything else or whatever, some combo of that. And then if they knock you out and if you're, if you're, you know, getting through their deck and their decks getting small and you're milling them, you could start milling them of the cards that you're putting on the bottom with fan of waves, right? Like the energy. So like eventually I think you can come up with a situation where you maybe have them run out of cards. Now, who knows? Honestly, the fact that Mew VMAX can Oko your big dudes, your big walls that you're supposed to pivot into, mm-hmm. eh, you know, it basically means that, like, you need to have at least two things on the bench if you're worried about Oko. And that's not ideal for, uh, I think, some of these strategies. So who knows? But I do think this year is going to be a big year for control. What do you think, Jake? I think that control will definitely be better. The problem a lot with control is one. You know, it's it's very difficult to pilot, right? So it's already going to have less players. And especially when we live in an era right now where there are many, many top players not playing, you know, in the online era in terms of playing in these online tournaments, there's just going to not be a lot of popularity and there's not going to be a lot of great moments, right? Sander doesn't play in every single tournament, right, online. He's doing other things. And so a lot of people also feel the same about that. And then also it's just hard for control decks to do things online. You know, you can call Mm. judge that your opponent is slow playing the heck out of you. But I mean, they can't really sit in on the game. They can't really do anything about it. Like online events are not meant for control just based on how the online client is. Right. I think that's a really good point. Like in terms of if you can't actively mill your opponent, Control online is really difficult because, you know, say your opponent gets like a super great start and and wins the first game. And then, yeah, your your strategy is going to take you probably the rest of the time of the round. It, it, you just 
I don't know, man. Yeah, it can get rough. It can get rough where your opponent can just at least pull you into a tie. And it's kind of hard for you to counter that because what is slow play? Like if the client itself has a timer, right? So like if you just go by the client's timer, yeah, it's, um, it is, it is really tough. But I think when we return back to IRL play, there may be a situation where any of the players who got into the game during the pandemic and have only really played online, I do think that, you know, more experienced players could maybe take advantage of that if a good control deck comes about and surprise a lot of these players who maybe just don't have any experience playing against control. Well, you talk about surprise. Here's another thing that control doesn't have. It is the element of surprise. You know, we're in an yeah. open deck list format constantly. So your opponent right out of the gate is going to know what you're doing. Whereas, you know, in the future in IRL play, I can start an Umbreon V, right? And my opponent may just think like, oh, it's single strike. And so they play out their first turn like single strike. Whereas in this online format, you look at my list and it doesn't matter who I start. You know what my <laughs> deck is. You know what I'm trying to do and you know how I'm going to do it, essentially. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just I just don't recommend playing control for online just because there's too many there's too many disadvantages and it's not that great. And even if this deck becomes better, like even if this archetype becomes better in Brilliant Star, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you can play it at locals. I might try it at locals. Right. Because, I mean, like locals are IRL play is just different, but I wouldn't do it for I would do online for like ladder and like practicing and stuff. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very fair and smart assessment, which is like, yeah, maybe control comes back, but only in IRL environments. It just doesn't work in the online world as much. Yeah, I mean, if it was if it was a lot better, right, if it was a ton better, that would be a whole different story. But you know, the fact that it's not as good is is what's kind of gatekeeping it out. But Sean, before we end this podcast today, uh, do we have some thank yous to do? I mean, yeah, I think we do. I, I think we tweeted about it. Uh, but, you know, big shout out to the the Triple P Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast. Um, they did a an awards, uh, you know, an end of year awards thing and. We were nominated for Podcast of the Year, and them and their community selected us for what it, for whatever it means. Um, but it was very kind of them, and it, it, we we definitely were like, I was tickled. So uh, yeah, that was nice. It definitely brings a smile on the face because the Pokemon TCG community is very small. It's pretty niche, especially when you talk about competitively. Um, so to have other friends in the podcast realm like Triple P, you know, like blow tcast like yeah. tag team and stuff and to even be nominated i mean we didn't win the podcast so it was rigged max maxwell rigged it. i'm just kidding he didn't but to be nominated even you know is a huge honor is a huge accomplishment and, and puts a big smile on the face so thank you everyone who listened to us in 2021 again cannot wait for this year we're kicking off this year as well with a special interview next week and it's going to be from someone you may have seen the tweet that we posted recently about magic or hearthstone players we're going to be talking about a lot of those because we think that those players those clients are going to be affecting us here real soon in the pokemon community so thank you so much for listening to the pokemon tcg podcast the podcast that revolves around the evolving meta i almost did not get it that time but starting off 2022 strong with a great podcast with my buddy sean as always have a great rest of the day and we'll see you next week 